Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Reds, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. I'm Max Hayes, your host. And for this Q&A special, we'll be with you for the next 30 or 40 minutes or so to discuss all the questions that we put out on Twitter uh, that you have sent us. And fingers crossed for a little bit of positivity after Forest lose to Spurs 2-0 on Friday night. Of course, Brennan Johnson's return under the lights ended up with Spurs being down to 10 men, but Forest couldn't really capitalise on that. Ended up losing the game 2-0 with more pressure mounting on Steve Cooper than ever ahead of the busy Christmas period. To discuss all of that and more, we're joined by Forest journalist and, of course, podcast regular Sarah Clapson. Sarah, how are you? Hello, I'm good, Max. Good, thank you. Good. Ready for Christmas? Mm, no. <laughs> it's creeping Dave? up too quick. <laughs> Dave, have you uh, done all your Christmas shopping? Yeah, lots of vouchers, mate. Uh, really <laughs> unimaginative stuff. And uh, But why do I give the freedom of choice? So, uh, as you say, Christmas for me is how can I get up in time to get to Newcastle? That's my big issue. <laughs> I think that's a lot of question uh, on the Forest fans' uh, mind at the minute. Is that awful half past twelve kickoff on Boxing Day? Mm. Uh, also mm. joining us from the neutral camp today uh, is Dan Bardal, uh, sports broadcaster, often seen on Sky Sports and Talk Sport. Dan, good to see you. Podcast debut. How are you? Yeah, very good. Obviously, I'm the opposite end of the spectrum to Forest fans at the moment. Very much enjoying enjoying football. So I hope I'll come here and obviously I'm, I'm in a good mood, but I feel for Forest fans because it's never nice when you're struggling. No, it isn't. It isn't indeed. And uh, and we'll get straight into it, really. A bit of a Q&A special today. Uh, and we'll just start with kind of a list of questions and we'll put the, uh, them to the panel. Uh, thanks for all your questions as well. Thanks for getting involved on Garibaldi Red underscore on Twitter. Right, let's start. Um, Sarah, let's start with you. This question comes from uh, at Laith Garibaldi on Twitter. Uh, he says, aside from deciding on Cooper's future, what do the panel think is the most important role or area in the club that needs sorting off the pitch so we can try to continue to make progress and get out of this rot? What a question that is for the first one. Yeah, it's a great Blimey. question. It's great. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for, for bringing that. The biggest thing, and it's not necessarily easy to, to do, is stability. I know that's kind of a, it's not really a tangible, but it's it's having something solid um, in terms of personnel, um, not just on the pitch, not just in terms of the manager, but around the whole club. Um, because uncertainty and constant flux, constant change, which is what Forest have had really for a while since the summer, um, it's not good. It doesn't... It isn't the be-all and end-all when it comes to performances and results on the pitch, but it doesn't help. Um, there have been a lot of personnel changes, ones that people perhaps wouldn't necessarily notice and see. So in terms of maybe um, physio department, um, analysis department, all things like that, it all adds up and it all um, all just creates a bit of uncertainty and a bit, a bit of... A lack of stability, which is so, so vital. We've seen what it does in terms of transfers with constant changes of, of ins and, and outs. And um, yeah, it's not necessarily something that's easy to fix. Um, but I think it would really help if Forrest just managed to have a period of stability. And obviously we've got that um, uncertainty over the manager at the minute, which, which just adds to that. Um, so that would be that would be my thoughts, really, um, on something that 
Forest could really do with sorting out. Yeah, Dan, and, and just picking up on, on the back of Sarah's answer there, Dan, I mean, stability's talked about in football clubs a lot. And and from kind of an outsider point of view, with Forest trying to almost continue to make that stability with Steve Cooper, that they've had a manager now for over two years. But at what point did the club actually go, hang on a minute, you can't get stability when when the team's teams kind of losing games constantly. And, and it's a phrase that's talked about in football a lot, isn't it? Yes, look, stability is massive. Having a cohesive unit and everyone pulling in the same direction at a football club is is massive as well. Successful teams often have the whole football club aligned and it feels like everyone's pulling in the same direction. Forest have never really had that since they returned to the Premier League. It's kind of felt like a bit of a mishmash, different things going on in in different places, not sure who's making decisions in, in certain places. And I'm not surprised that, that Forest is struggling. It kind of always has felt to me that just as Forest get some kind of momentum and you feel like things are going okay, they'll change something or they'll buy another five, six players and, and throw it all into, into the mix. And I just feel that at the moment with Forrest, they're probably about where I would expect them to be. I, I don't think Forrest will, will go down. I mean, we'll come on to the, to the manager, obviously. I think the manager's been a big part, actually, of what's good about Nottingham Forrest. And, and without him, I think Forrest probably do go down last season. I think he did, did a really, really underrated job. But I just think it's not just on the pitch. It is off the pitch, like Sarah said. It feels like every month or every few weeks, something will change. And for a football club to be successful, I don't really think that you can operate in that manner. You don't see many successful clubs doing what Forrest do on a weekly or monthly basis. Uh, interesting point there. Uh, we'll go on to the next question. And Dave, this one for you, actually. I was speaking to you after the game on Friday and you kind of voiced your concerns to me about the recruitment with, with Forrest. Uh, Christian asks on Twitter, who is exactly running the club on a day-to-day -day basis? Dane Murphy was never replaced as CEO, but there are several people in senior positions on the club website. Is it Marinakis, Marinakis Jr.? Now, this is a question that's talked about a lot, Dave, on Twitter. Who's actually making the the decisions at Forest. We know that Marinakis' son is involved. Uh, that's Multiardis, uh, and as well as Ross Wilson, who's now the uh, recruitment officer, chief footballing officer, um, and there's lots of other people involved. But Dave, kind of going from from that question as well into recruitment, what have you made to, to the signings? And as Christian asks, who do you think actually is running the football club on a, football club on a day to day basis? Well, to take the two parts separately, uh, Max. If you listen to Sarah's excellent answer and you listen to Dan's answer, they are kind of, you know, giving the feeling that there isn't one defining force within the club that's like bringing it all together. It, it, to the outside world, it looks like it would be Steve Cooper, but I think there are several people who are kind of dipping their fingers into the pies and we could do without that. Um, so I, you know, there is a lack of stability, I think. I think our lack of stability goes right back to five loan signings in the championship. If those players had been our own rather than loans, we wouldn't have had to sign so many. And from that point onwards, it's been a tumble dryer of players in and out. And it's going to, I actually feel it's going to carry on through January because my view is, and certainly sat there in the Trent end on Friday night, I've always had my suspicions about the uh, quality of the recruitment and the quality of the players that's been brought in. I felt early on in the season, some people were getting ahead of themselves. Ah, Forrest will be all right. Forrest will be mid-table. Forrest will be 12th, 13th, 14th. And I'm like, hmm, I want to see it on the pitch. And I sat there on Friday night and thought to myself, as I walked out the ground, I thought this squad is not good enough 
to stay in this league. The gulf between Tottenham Hotspur and Nottingham Forest was almost frightening. We are so poor at keeping the ball. We are the worst. I actually think we're the worst team in the division at ball retention. How many games since we've got promoted have Forest dominated possession? Hardly any. How many times has a Forest? I can only recount Liverpool at home last year as the only time a Forest midfield has dominated another midfield since we got promotion, and that was through brute force and ignorance rather than any kind of, you know, subtle dissection of the opposition. I don't trust our goalkeepers, either of them. Moan at Steve Cooper all you like, but he can't clear the ball for Matt Turner. And Vlachodimos has not impressed me either. Our wide guys are trying hard, but they're, they're showing to me why they were peripheral at the clubs that they were at before they came to Nottingham Forest. Our defence, yeah, there have been some good performances in there, but, you know, if you, if, if you let five in at Fulham, and you give away goals like we did on on Friday night, then you're not doing your job. I just I just feel that we're not good enough to stay up at the moment, and and I've I've never been fully convinced. I've had lots of people saying this is a this is a Premier League quality squad. Well, not enough of them are putting a, a run of consecutive credible performances together. At the moment, I would suggest that Harry Toffolo is the most consistent performer in our squad. A lad who's had you know, serious personal issues to deal with. And he's showing the strength of character to do it. He's becoming on the quiet, a little bit of a cult hero, Harry Toffler. Nico Williams has come in, come back in. In fact, our two fullbacks since the Fulham debacle have been our best players, both of them. Murillo has only been playing professional football for about a year, 18 months. I think he's a recruitment success. Oral Mangala, I think has been pretty consistent, but I want Oral to dominate a midfield. I want Oral to open a defence up. We don't do it. We don't have a player that we can give the ball in the midfield and he sets the tempo, not only for us, but against an opposition. And I just feel that we are, we're a, a relatively beige outfit at the moment and it needs to be different. I, I want, I mean, our, our strikers, I mean, if we're looking at recruitment, successes have been Tawo Wanyi and Murillo, right? And Tawo, Tawo, actually the best player in the club in many ways at the moment is the one who's not in the side, Tawo. He's our best player. And the fact that he's not there is showing the deficiencies elsewhere. I'm afraid I do not see Chris Wood as being the answer. Smashing lad tries hard, but I think, and this might sound cruel, a light of former years. Divock Origi, the same. Now, you know, add to that, I don't see any really exciting youngsters coming through from the academy. You know, back in the day, we had Brennan Johnson and we had Ryan Yates coming through. You know, and you take Yatesy. I mean, Yatesy. I mean, Wolves and, and, and um, Tottenham couldn't fault the effort. Absolutely couldn't fault the effort. But effort will only take you so far. And I think that there's a distinct lack of Premier League quality in this squad. And I worry that some aren't good enough and some have reached their ceiling. And I don't think there's enough at the moment of a core of players to build that necessary stability on and off the field, to build around that. There isn't the kernel of stability that we need in this club. And I, my, my view walking out on um, Friday night was if that side had gone to Kenilworth Road, Turf Moor or Bramall Lane, the next day it would have been beaten. And I've always felt... And I'm not being overly pessimistic or, you know, gloomy in my outlook. I've always felt 
that the second season syndrome where the novelty has gone from the crowd and the novelty has gone from the team is going to be really, really difficult. And I said, I wanted 17th and I still want 17th. I'm actually less convinced that we can get 17th now. So something has to change. I mean, I do think the manager is going to go soon. I love the guy, but I think the change is going to come. But my, my, my biggest fear actually was that you might change the manager, but is the quality of this side going to be improved therein? I'm not so sure. So I have grave reservations about the, about the recruitment, Max, to be honest. And, you know, the recruitment team that was brought in, I mean, if Ross Wilson was that great, he'd still be at Rangers. That's my view. So I, I, I have, you know, sorry to name names and call people out. But at the moment, I do not see a Premier League quality uh, squad play for Nottingham Forest. Yeah, it's an interesting take, uh, Dave. Um, remember, in the comment section on YouTube, you can always uh, drop a comment of whether you agree or disagree uh, with what we all say. Uh, Adrian Love on Twitter also asks, which leads us quite nicely onto this question, actually, Dave, your point. Um, Adrian asks, what has the bigger effect, changing manager or getting reasonable Taiwo cover in January, obviously meaning a striker? Would a Lopetegui or a similar... Uh, manager change with the behind-the-scenes circus on recruitment make a difference? Or would we be handing Cooper a competitor better equipped given his future experience with us? Basically, obviously, I guess there, Sarah, probably a, a question that, that means would it be worth changing manager when you've got a recruitment window coming up, you've got January transfer window coming up where you can get cover for Taiwo Awani? And would the, it be unfair to get rid of Steve Cooper, get a new manager in and then and then give them kind of a whole window um, for new players and, and a new squad? It's such a difficult one to answer. I think if um, if a one year had been fit, I don't think Forrest would be in the position that they're in. I think they would have more points than they've got currently. Um, but equally, Steve Cooper has made some mistakes. He's got some things wrong um, in terms of tactics, in terms of substitutions. Um, he's not... <laughs> there is a... It's so difficult to, to decide whether he's getting the most out of the players or whether the, the players are, or I think they are letting him down to an extent with some of the performances, but would a, a different manager get more out of that group? It's such a difficult one to call. And it, there's no one, nobody can predict either way. Um, nobody knows for certain what would happen. Um, I think there's probably a bit of both. I think... Steve Cooper needs to get more out of the group, but players also need to step up. And um, as Dave mentioned, some of the players that have been brought in haven't had the desired impact. So the point that Dave was making about controlling a midfield, that was what Sangari was brought in for. That was his role. He's been pretty disappointing so far. I think he, he showed he's shown flashes, he's shown glimpses. He was starting to find his feet a little bit. But still not to the extent where we were thinking he's running the show here. He, he's absolutely got a grip on this midfield. You'd like to think that with time that will come, um, as we've seen with Mangala, as we've seen with with, um, with Awanyi. But Forest need it now. Forest need somebody to step up now and, and put in those kind of performances. They need players to really... Um, up their game. The problem they've got at the minute is that the people or the players that are performing best are Nico Williams and Ryan Yates. They're keeping out the likes of Sangari and Dominguez and, and Olorena and the players that, that have been brought in in the summer. Um, and can you change that now? Probably not because they're, they're the players that are performing best and that 
the system that Steve Cooper has picked, Nico Williams can't play in a back four. He has to play as a wing back. So in that sense, he's kind of tied at the minute. How he fixes that, I don't know. Because you, you can't, long term, you can't leave out the likes of Sangari and Dominguez when the owner has spent a lot of money bringing those kind of players in. It's a massive headache. Um, I, I don't know how he, he solves it. Um, it's a tricky one. Uh, I think probably, I've rambled on a little bit, but I don't think there's an obvious answer to the question. I think it's it's such an unknown. Yeah. And trying to predict what will happen is just, is anybody's guess. It's very hard. And and Dan, from, from somebody that's kind of watched Forest uh, this season and saw them saw them last season. Are you are you shocked at the difference in quality on the pitch? And a lot of people will say that the, on, on paper, this squad is actually good enough. But as Dave so eloquently said earlier, that it actually isn't sometimes and, and, the, and the, the likes of Sangari should be performing more. And I think that's that's the difficult thing with Forrest at the minute is this squad actually looks OK on paper, but it just seems like players aren't performing. I would say that this is a side that I would have expected to be in a relegation battle. I just think with the turnover of players, I feel that it's that it's unavoidable that, that Forest aren't going to be in, in a relegation dogfight. You have to give players time, but it's hard when you're buying so many players every window. And like you say, you need Forrest to, to be good now. A one he's injured at the moment, that's a blow because he is, is your goal scorer and probably within the Forest squad, he's irreplaceable. So Steve Cooper's operating without him. And he's operating without Brennan Johnson, who was a massive part of what was good about Forrest last season. That front three of Gibbs White, Brennan Johnson and Awanya, that that's not there now. So he's kind of trying to find the right kind of formula, the right kind of mix up front. And I don't think Steve Cooper's found that. You've gone from having Navas and Henderson to having Turner and Blasiodemos. Now, that's a, that's a huge, huge downgrade. In gold, yeah. there's no other way around that than that's a that's a downgrade in gold. And I thought all season when I've watched Turner, he he struggled. I mean, the, I was at the Forest game when, when they beat Villa and Blasiodemos wasn't wasn't really tested. I haven't seen as much of him as as I have of Turner. But I think the goalkeeper positions are, are concerned. And then I think up top without a one year, that there's not the goals. And then Dave and Sarah have kind of said that in the middle of the park there isn't that that ball playing player. But I feel sorry for Steve for Steve Cooper. Because he's getting, I feel like he's getting given players. They're not necessarily players that, that he wants to sign. If he'd have wanted a Rigi, Rigi'd be playing. But but he's not playing, which says to me, that's not a Steve Cooper signing. So I feel like Steve Cooper is operating with one hand tied behind his back. And on the managerial front, I think making a change is hugely, hugely risky for Forrest. I know lopetegui has been spending a lot of time in the UK. He's kind of been hanging around here, like waiting for something to happen. But if I look at that Nottingham Forest squad and I think who is that squad better suited for, Steve Cooper or Lopetegui, I would say Steve Cooper because Lopetegui came into Wolves. There's a lot of technical players within that Wolves squad at the time. You know, Matinho and Neves were there, plus the players that, that are there now. And there was kind of the basis of a Lopetegui side. Lopetegui is a volatile character as well. You know, I think he comes mm. into Forest, sees the way they operate, players thrown in front of him that he doesn't necessarily want that guy could walk and then you just create an absolute mayhem and chaos, which has been what's happened to Forrest since they returned to the Premier League. Steve Cooper did unbelievably to keep mm. Forrest a, a blast season. So I just think there's so many things going on. I would look at that league table and think, realistically, who do, who do Forrest fans expect to be ahead of there other than maybe Bournemouth, Bournemouth and Fulham who are kind of pushing towards mid-table? Forrest are about mm. where I'd say that I'd expect them to be. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and ahead of that kind of Christmas period, Forrest just sitting outside uh, the relegation zone after Everton picking up points with with their 10-point deduction. Um, that leads us quite nicely into a question, Dave. Uh, JS Gerlin asks on Twitter, is a new striker or a new goalkeeper the absolute priority in January? Um, I think so, Dave. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. If you If you can't score a goal, then you can't be competitive. If you can't keep them out, you can't be competitive. All good sides are built on clean sheets. All good sides. I don't know if you know, there's a chap who used to manage us, who used to say that. He was asked when they won the league in 77, 78. He said, we signed Shilton and we took off. And they got, Brian Moore asked him in an interview. So he won the league. Him and the back four. That's what Brian said. And until you... It's a very good impression, out, Boris, Dave. It's an average one. I've had a cough sweet this morning, Max. That's what it is. But the thing is, yeah, I, I mean, my view on the goalkeepers, like, you know, Dan, Dan's looking from outside the fence, right? And, and looking at Dan, I kind of think, you know what? The Villa are romping away at the moment. We beat the Villa, you know. But actually, since that game, Villa have gone in one direction and Forest have gone in another. And I, if you like, at the moment, our, our wins are almost outliers, to the to the plateau of, of kind of performance that we're on, My, I mean the goalkeeping situation. I mean, I, I think back to Kayla Navas. I think back to Dean. I saw Dean playing for Crystal Palace this weekend at the Etihad, and what good work Dean did. And I'm thinking of Brees, and we've been spoiled a little bit now in hindsight with our goalkeepers. These two, um, you know, Matt Turner had a decent start to the season, but then has kind of tailed off. Oddy came in with a big reputation having played every game for Benfica last year but I think he there have been goals that we've conceded I thought he could have stopped Dwight McNeil's goal for Everton against us when I look back at it at a different angle I don't trust either of them in fact maybe against Bournemouth on uh, Saturday I'm saying Big Wayne give Big Wayne the, 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 the gloves let him go he can't be any worse and as for as for up front my, at the moment if you ask me honestly where our next win is coming from I don't see it I mean Bournemouth, uh, could Forest go to Manchester United and win 3-0 with this squad? No, Bournemouth have just done that. You know what I mean? So Bournemouth are, I think Bournemouth are a level above us. Newcastle, even though they've got like 600 in the uh, in the casualty unit at the moment, have probably got a squad good enough to beat us. United, who I kind of, th who come next on the 30th at tea time, I was kind of watching them yesterday to see, is, are there any chinks in them? And like, whatever you say about United and the chaos there, they still got a point at Anfield, which nobody has done this season. So I, I do not see where our next win is coming from. And I do not see where our next goal is coming from. And I do not see where our next clean sheet is coming from. So to answer J.S. Gerling's extremely incisive question, a goalkeeper and a striker of some, de of some description, absolute necessities. And, and the stability issue, or sort of the, the instability issue, because that's really what it is, isn't going to stop in January because we've got so many holes in our squad that need filling. It could go on and on and on. You know, it may get to the point where, you know, Fulham, if you look at Fulham, right, Fulham had like, we're up one season, down the next, up one season, down the next, before they finally settled. And Forrest may have to go through a period like that. But, uh, yeah, a goalkeeper we all trust. I mean, <laughs> a guy said to me, why don't we go and get David De Gea? And at the moment... David De Gea wouldn't be a bad shout for us compared to what we've got. And as for a striker, you know, I mean, I watched the I watched our kids at Accrington a month or so ago, and they play some lovely football. And it would be nice to think that one of those could come through, a Julian Larson or a, a Natif Kanate, somebody like that. 
But unfortunately, the gulf between that and what we need in the Premier if you like, in a way, Forest have almost gone too far too quickly. And it's caught up with them a bit. You know, from the bottom of the Championship to, like, where we are now, I mean, it's an incredible progression. But it's almost like it, it went up so quickly, there's a sort of a levelling off period. And there's some pain involved now in what we're going to do. But, yeah, I've rambled on a bit, as is my want. But uh, goalkeeper and somebody who can put the ball in the back of the net, absolute necessities. In, indeed, of course, fingers crossed that, that, that Forrest will get someone like that through the door, Dave. But Sarah, in terms of, as, as Dave mentioned there, kind of about Bournemouth and Fulham, the two teams that came up with Forrest last season, all three of us surviving. But the worrying sign for me, kind of looking at Forrest, is that Bournemouth and Fulham kind of rising up the table and and Fulham, I mean, managed to put, what, five past us. And then you look at, at Bournemouth and, and under a new manager, they're thriving. And, and Forrest seem to be having that having that second season syndrome, similar to Leeds last season. And and that is a concern, isn't it? That, that the other teams around us that you would think would be would be near us, whether that would be near the relegation zone or as kind of Dan was saying, they're kind of just about realistically finishing 17th are picking up points and that's the worrying thing for Forrest and even the bottom three are as well. Yeah, absolutely. Forrest are on uh, heading in one direction and other teams around them are, are in the opposite in terms of form. Um, what I would say is that can quickly change. We saw that last season. Um, any team, and there's a lot that are in and around it at the bottom, go up and down. Nobody, I mean, if you're on an upward curve, then you soon get out of it if, you, if that continues over a course of a season. But most teams that are in a relegation scrap will go through peaks and troughs and, and ups and downs and all kinds of twists and turns. We saw that last season. Um, Forest are right in the thick of it, though, and that is the worrying thing. They need to find a win somewhere. They need to find some point from somewhere. Um, as we said, looking at the, the fixture list, it, it's not easy at the moment to see where that, that comes from. Um, but... Surprise results happen. The Villa result, for instance, I don't think too many people would have predicted that. Forrest got the win. We hoped it was kind of a starting point and a building block, same as the point at, at Molyneux, something to build on. Um, it's just getting it. And that's kind of why Steve Cooper's gone back to basics, really, at the minute, in terms of setup, in terms of how he's playing, in terms of this low block and trying to be hard to beat. Um, he's done it out of necessity. He's just trying to get some kind of result anyway, anyhow, and hoping that there's something to then build on and start to start to get back to what he wants to do. Um, but it's not easy. And Christmas fixture list is always important. And it looks like it's going to be particularly important at the minute um, because a lot can change in a small space of time. Looking at, at the Christmas fixture list for Forest, it doesn't make nice reading. Um, and Jordan's asked a very good question on Twitter. Uh, forget the last two years, just go from what we are seeing. Do you believe that that Cooper will turn it round? And from your point of view, you've seen Cooper turn it round last season. He was under kind of the pressure for kind of not once but but, but twice, and was publicly backed by the owner with a with a contract and with a statement saying that they're going to be behind him. Do you think Cooper's still got enough about him to turn it round, Dan, for Forrest? I think he would, and I believe Steve Cooper would would keep Nottingham Forest up, but I'm not sure he'll get the chance. I think, I can't remember who just said it, but the, the promoted teams are starting to pick up points here and there, and as it's kind of felt like all season that the bottom three will be the, the three that came up, but I think Sheffield United will get better at home. Now Wilder's in there, I think he'll galvanise them a little bit. 
Burnley, they got better last season in the Championship. You'd expect there to be a little bit of a, an upturn there. I think Vincent Company is a very, very good manager. And I've been really impressed with, with, with Luton. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if they stayed up. I still think Steve Cooper w- would keep Forrest up. But then you've got to start looking at the moment that Forrest are the closest towards those three teams, which I think will make the owner perhaps tr- trigger happy. And in the owner's defence, you know, he did back him last season and he, he did keep him in the job. And that, that, that was the right decision. So... He wasn't as as like shot shotgun happy as 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 he has been in the past. He stuck with Steve Cooper, so he can turn around and say I stuck with him once. I just feel it's the right time to make a change now. But for the reasons I outlined before, I think it's a huge huge risk to to get rid of Steve Cooper. So I think he would keep Forrester, but I don't think he'll get get the chance to do it. I do think there'll be a managerial change probably at the at the start of the of the new year. The thing that might keep him in a job a little bit longer is that the games come really fast at this point to change in a manager when there's a game every few days. Teams don't really tend to do that. I just hope for Steve Cooper's sake and, and Forrest's sake, because I, I really, really like Steve Cooper and I really like Forrest as a club as well. I just hope they can pick up some results in over the Christmas period because I don't want to see Steve Cooper lose his job. And I think if he does lose his job He'll rock up somewhere like Crystal Palace at some point, and I think he'll do an outstanding job there because I do believe he's a brilliant manager. I just don't. I just think it's a really, really difficult job Nottingham Forest at the moment. Yeah, it is. Um, try talking about him every week, Dan. Um, Billy asks on on Twitter the very simple question of Cooper in or Cooper out, which kind of leads us, I suppose, onto you, Dave. Um, I know, kind of, you've always been a, a huge Steve Cooper fan, as we all are, for what he's done for the club. But at what point do Forrest actually say, look, one win in 13 could be 14 if we lose to Bournemouth uh, next game? Do, do you think, as as Dan said there, that, that we'll have a new manager in the new year? Uh, yeah, I do. I do, sadly. I do. And, you know, as Dan has said, um, the portents for Steve Cooper don't look good. And as Dan has also said, he's likely to go somewhere else and make us all kind of think, mm, you only realise what you had when it's gone. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I think as a guy, he's, he's a pure class human being, right? He's had some personal abuse, which is ridiculous. Uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a human being of the highest order, dignity, integrity, decency. You know, he, I, I go back to that night at Fulham. He could, he could have just sort of, you know, skedaddled off, but he, he fronted up and he faced it. I'm, I'm sure Sarah was at, at, at his press conference after the game that night and he was, he was absolute class. But I, I think I think he's got the next three games, and given that you know the the difficulty of those those three fixtures coming up, I think I think time's running out for him, uh, and I think a change will be made. I'm with Dan. I don't necessarily think a change will will bring about any kind of you know revolution of, of, of the football club, which is going through an evolution at the moment. I mean, if you look at last season. You know, changing your manager brought one result, which was relegation for Southampton, Leicester and Leeds. Sticking with your manager kept another result, which is keeping Forrest in the in the Premier League. Do I think Mr. Marinakis has, has got has got the patience? I think I think his patience will run out. So if we if we take nothing from the next three, I personally think Steve Cooper will be done. He'll go with our best wishes and we'll move on to a, on to another era, another chapter of this great football club. And like we all do, because we're all fickle and we're all short-term in our thinking, a lot of us, 
the next guy will come in and we'll get behind him. And then maybe if he loses four or five games, we'll want him changed. And if another one comes in after that, we'll want him changed. But I think Steve Cooper's sands are running out. I really do. And, and it saddens me to say that. Um, because my love for him is complete. I mean, you know, there are people saying that he's he's lost the plot and he's not good enough. Uh, did those people think that at Wembley? Did they think that against Liverpool last year? Did they think that um, against Arsenal on the last day of the season? You know, I, if Steve Cooper's become a bad manager, I'd like to know when it happened. Uh, I don't think he's been helped by the instability that Sarah alluded to. And Sarah knows the innards of our club far better than I do. Um, and I think he's... <laughs> As, as Dan said, I think he's got a hand tied behind his back. I mean, this this idea of like players being some of the some of the manager's players and some of somebody else's players that can never work. If it's not unified off the field, how can it be end up being unified on it? So uh, I think I do think a change is coming. Um, you know, some want that, some don't. I mean, the level of love for Steve Cooper is actually remarkable given the way the results have gone. I mean. You know, he's obviously, I, I don't, I mean, the thing is, I, I waited 23 years, right? And I saw a revolving door of mediocrity that was a, that was an embarrassment to Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest was a standing joke about Forest's longest serving manager had been there for 23 minutes. It was ridiculous. It was embarrassing to be a Forest fan. That was the stick that we were beaten with. Oh, Forest can't keep a manager. 23 years. And, I, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to have lived through the Clough era. You know, my dad was part of the scouting staff at the time. So I kind of knew the club to a certain extent and I enjoyed those years when I was a kid. And I, I, if you'd asked me, I don't know, back in 2016 or 2017 when we survived on the last day of the season against Ipswich, would we ever get to the Premier League? I would have said absolutely not. We, we, when are we going to get a manager that we can, we can love and that we can take to our hearts and who, more than anything, is going to build a rapport from the pitch to the stand? I never saw it coming. And then, lo and behold, this guy turned up and he's done all of those things. And I never thought it was possible. And a lot of people didn't think it was possible. So I think that's why there's a great love for him. Unfortunately, we're now at a point where, you know, something I think has to change. Friday night was the first night I walked out of the city ground and I lost my hope because I kind of thought they aren't good enough. This isn't good enough. And something has to be done to change it. The worrying thing, on top of all those worrying things, like, like Dan's alluded to, is you might make the change, but you might not actually move any further forward. So, like everything in football, every team you pick, every substitution you make, every £200 million that you throw at something, it is a gamble. Gambles work, gambles don't. Only, with, only hindsight will allow you to see you know, the validity of a decision you make. But I do think his time's running out. Uh, he'll go with my love. But, you know, the, the guy who comes in has got a lot to follow. If he, if he, if he turns it around and keeps it up, fantastic. But I personally think that we're going to need a little bit of a... It was a miracle to get into the Premier League. It was a miracle to stay up. You know, 30 signings, who gives us stuff? That's what they were singing at Crystal Palace when we were safe. And I think another minor miracle is required. Based on my particular view of this squad and its ability and its ceiling to keep us up this year, Matt. And and, and Sarah, it, it, I'm just actually reading a question now that we had on Twitter, and it's a very interesting question. Chris asked, assuming that Steve Cooper doesn't survive, whether that was after the weekend or, or after these festive uh, fixtures, 
what does the day look like after his sacking? And you know Cooper much more than a lot of us do, and you've interviewed him. But but that's a very it's a very it's a very kind of question that that I mean it's it's, it's incredibly hard to answer. But also, mm. I can imagine it, it will, will, will be quite emotional at the football club because of how many relationships he's formed and what he's done for the city and, and the fans as well. Yeah, of, of course. Um, I mean, it, it's easy to forget now. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. But when he came in, he he galvanised the club. He, he united it. You forget how toxic it was in the, mm. the stages before he came in, um, mm. when it was it was really looking bleak under Chris Eaton. It, it was really, really dark times. Um, and Steve Cooper was a breath of fresh air when he came in, changed all that. Um, I think we, we kind of forget a little bit about that now because of the current situation. Um, I think the day after he goes, or it seems like it's, it's, it's happened, but if he if and when it happens. Um, ten, the, the Maranakis family have tended to make sure there's somebody ready to immediately come in. So I don't think we'll see the kind of situation that, that Stoke maybe are in or, or other clubs. I think when they make the call, they always have a manager ready to step in. So there won't, very unlikely, there would be that period where it's kind of, Who's it going to be? Um, they they tend to have somebody ready. Um, I'm sure that would that would be the same. Um, I think it would be a sad day because of everything that that Steve Cooper's done. Um, but I guess kind of a, alluding to the previous points, I think it's a gamble either way. I think it's a gamble to stick with him, but it's also a gamble to change. There's no certainty either way. If you if you stick with Steve Cooper. Yes, he showed last season that he can keep Forrest up. There's no guarantee. Not at the minute. Not with the way that they're playing and with the players that he's got and without a striker, with with two goalkeepers who were struggling to save any kind of... Um, or keep any kind of clean sheets. There's risks either way. Um, and it, it's not, an easy, not necessarily an easy path. It's not an easy decision. Maranakis will know that. He knows the support that Steve Cooper's got. But equally, yeah, Steve Cooper probably could keep Forrest up again. Mr. Maranakis wants more yeah. than that. That's the crux of it. He wants more mm. than just surviving. He wants to be further yeah. up the table. He wants to be in the top 10. He wants to be chasing Europe at some point. Just staying up isn't really going to cut it. Uh, and as, as harsh as that is, and as much as you can we can all point to the um the circumstances and the difficulties and the challenges all of that plays into the results that Forrester are getting and the performances and the the um the the difficulties that Steve Cooper is having to to cope with Mr Maranakis has put a lot of money in he spent a lot of money on signings just staying up is is not what he had in mind mm. Agreed. No, definitely not. And Dan, in terms of the money that that Forest have spent, I asked we asked Tom on the on the on the first kind of podcast during the relaunch about where a realistic aim for Forest were, and he said just surviving. Simple as that. Second season syndrome, if you like, just surviving. Do you agree with him? Do you think that that this season should just be about survival? Yeah, I think if you could consolidate in the Premier League for two three years and you get the income. That, that comes with that. If Forest were to go down now, the money they've spent, that's an absolute catastrophe. That, that That's a disaster. Forest would be 
in probably serious breach of the financial yeah. financial regulations, I would think. I'm no expert on this stuff, but if they drop down to, to, to the championship, if we look, use Chelsea for an example, who've had a massive turnover of players, you know, they were third, I think, the season before they did all all the damage that they've done over the over the last few years, and they've dropped down to a lot, finishing tenth, eleventh. Forest to spend all that money, have that turnover, and players and actually stay up in the first place. I think that that's absolutely incredible. So, as I said before, Forest are where I would expect them to be. If Maranakis has got designs on on tenth, I don't think that's realistic. You know, teams like Chelsea are struggling to finish tenth. It's a high quality top half of the of the Premier League now. You know, there is teams like Villa, Brighton, Newcastle, West Ham who are probably going to consistently finish in the in the top half of the table. Added to the six that usually finished around there anyway. Top ten is not realistic for Forest, and I look through that squad of players. You know, for example, the wingers that they bought in Alanga and Hudson Odoi, good players probably can go on and be be good players, but they're replacing someone who was absolutely superb for Forest last season. But they've never ever had a consistent run of first team football anywhere. They're they're still developing. If you're expecting players to come in like that and replace players that have left and players that are injured, it simply isn't going to happen. So if Maranakis thinks that Forest should be a top ten team. I think he needs a reality check because Forest are exactly where I think they probably, arguably, even a, a, a little bit better off than, than they should be. Because I look at that squad and I, I don't think it's there in any position. Defense, I think there's too many, perhaps maybe too many players who were very good in the championship might not be might not be Premier League players. There isn't that dominant midfielder, and without a one year, and they've lost Brennan Johnson. There, there isn't the goals. You know, Gibbs White and Brennan Johnson took massive responsibility, massive onus last mm. season. They when they they wanted the ball, you know, it's easy for players to hide in those situations, and maybe that's a, a little bit of what's happened in the last couple of games for Forest when they've been turned over. Those were two players that that wanted the ball and made sure they had the ball and drove Forest forward and, and got them to stay up with with a one year. I don't really see that within the squad this time. That gives why he isn't going to be able to do it on his own, and a one year's injured. So where they are is where I'd expect them to be. From that from that Villa fan perspective as well, Dan. I, you know, you see that Villa have gone through three managers since entering the Premier League and, and now got Unai Emery, who, who is a brilliant name and, and has done so much for the club already. But at what point did, especially when you went up with Dean Smith, did, did you go, actually, hang on a minute, maybe now is time to make that change, as maybe a lot of Forest fans are thinking. And a lot of Forest fans are comparing our situation to the Villa situation. Well, hang on a minute, Villa had to go through... Um, Dean Smith, Stephen Gerrard, and then now Unai Emery. So, it, it, at what point did Villa fans actually go? Maybe now's the time to make the change. I think most Villa fans, when Dean Smith got the sack, did, didn't want him to get didn't want him to get the sack. Villa, Villa fans were devastated. And there is, you know, there's parallels between Steve Cooper and, and Dean Smith. Really, the, the only main difference being that Villa didn't spend as long away from the Premier League as as Forest did. So Villa have probably always been a little bit of a bigger draw because that they're only away from the Premier League for, for, for three years. There's a lot of similarities as clubs as well between Villa and Forest due to obviously previous European Cup victories that we never like to talk about at all. <laughs> either either sets sets of fans. So Villa had to go through that pain period. Yeah. <laughs> Villa had to go through that pain period. They stayed up by the skin of their teeth that, that first season. And then the second year was all about consolidating. They were, they were yeah. better. I think we finished 11th or 12th in that, in that second season. And there's nothing so far as won't, won't do that. But, you know, there was then that period of consolidation. And then people at the football club started to look above Dean Smith and think, can we get a higher profile manager in? And they got it massively wrong with, with, with mm. Steve Gerrard. He was an absolute disaster. He would have taken mm. Villa, Villa down. Now, Villa have somehow managed to pull in 
an absolutely outstanding manager who will undoubtedly go down as the best manager I've ever seen at Villa, what Villa are doing at the moment and what they've done since Unai Emery came into the football club. So we were 17th when he took over. Yeah, I don't think Forrest can replicate that. I don't think there's a no. there's there's an, an Unai, Emery, Unai Emery out there. Villa are very, very fortunate that they, that they got Unai Emery in when, when they did and that he believed in the project and was backed and has come in. And I can't believe where Villa are compared to where we were a, a few years ago. So you do have to go through this pain period and inevitably one day Steve Cooper will leave and it will be a really sad day for Forrest. He'll go and even the Forrest fans that want him out now will thank him for what he's done. I just don't think in this second season back in the Premier League that that's the time for Steve Cooper to go. I think it's when you've consolidated, when there's a bit of stability there, that's perhaps when you change a manager and look to attract someone who's a, a better manager in. It, it, that time is not now for Forrest. That is just going to add to the chaos if you get rid of Steve Cooper. Yeah, Forrest at home to Bournemouth on Saturday, uh, second home game in a row, uh, home to, to Bournemouth before at the Christmas, I was about to say Christmas break, but then Boxing Day uh, with Newcastle <laughs> at half past 12. Um, I'm sure Sarah... You'll be looking forward to the trip uh, up there <laughs> at half past twelve on a um, on, on, on Boxing Day, and and that leads us quite nicely in, into the question that, that Andy said about who is the panel's first name on the team sheet for the Bournemouth game and for future games. He thinks Ryan Yates, and looking at Ryan Yates and the way he performed and he's been, he's a player that that just gives it his all. He, he really does give one hundred and ten percent, doesn't he, Sarah? Yeah, you get you know what you're going to get with Ryan Yates, and it's the same whenever he plays. Um, I think you need that kind of player sometimes, certainly in the situation that, that Forrest are in at the moment. Somebody who just plays with his heart on his sleeve, will go into every challenge, every tackle, wins a few free kicks, gives a few away. Um, but yeah, he, he's the kind of player that he's going to dig in, and you need that. Um, he'd certainly be one of the first names. I think at the minute, Nico Williams as well, because he's been playing out of his skin. Since he came in, he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, he's just looked like a different... He's just given a new lease of life. Um, he's, yeah, I, I, as I said before, he is a wing-back. He's not a full-back. Um, so the system that play, um, Forrest are playing at the minute suits him better, um, which is why they've got to kind of keep with the same formation, really. But he's just been really good. Um, he's, he's defensively been pretty solid. I thought he kept a lid on Sun pretty well the other day yeah. um, but can get forward put some decent crosses in um, sets up a couple of goals I think he's certainly certainly one of my first names or will be one of my first names at the moment looking ahead to the Bournemouth game trying to pluck any positivity potentially out of it and and it's just a huge game this weekend it's just another it's just another big game I feel like just every time you go into the city ground at the they minute, all are nervous. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. They are. But 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 uh, as well, Dave. Um, Steve Steve Hodge, former Forest player, was saying on the radio that it that it just feels a little bit different. And there's that nervousness at the minute around the ground. Do you feel that? And of course, the players must feel that as well going into Saturday's game. You can't help but feel it, Max. We are we are on a at the moment. You know, one win. I think in thirteen, we're on a down trajectory. As a club and as a family, it's not going well. Um, yeah, there's immense nervousness. <laughs> I, I go to every game nervous. I always have done. I'm nearly 60 and every game I've been to, I've been like, you know, losing weight as we go along and then a goal comes along for us and you kind of think, ah, a port in a storm. But at the moment, 
I don't know where my port in a storm is going to come from. And this lot who are coming on Saturday, we never beat them. They're our ultimate bogey team. We, we I always feel, I always feel that our great history, our size is a weakness against a Bournemouth or a Luton or a Brentford. These teams love, they, they do, I mean, it's like, you know, centuries since we were European champions, but they say we're playing the ex-European champions at their big ground and they get a buzz off it. And this lot, you know, I mean, they're an amazing story in their own right. You know, we were a miracle back in the 70s winning the European Cup. This lot are a miracle because for what, you know, not long ago, they were bottom of like League Two with a 17-point deduction. It's incredible what they've done. And I can't see us beating them, home or away. They've just got that sort of, you know, they're the sort of club that a lot of our fans are, oh, it's little Bournemouth. But they, I think they've got better players than us. Solanke would walk in our team. Philip Billing would walk in our team. Lewis Cook would walk in our team. Their goalkeeper would walk in our team. I mean, you know, take the way Forrest have played the last few weeks compared to the way Bournemouth have played the last few weeks. And it's an away banker. And, and let's give credit to Bournemouth because at the start of Iriola's reign, it didn't go well. But they as a club and as a fan base kind of thought, no, 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 no. A sunny Rupland will arrive. And it's it's arrived. And they are the form team in this league. The, their performance, you know, against Manchester United away was like, wow. You know, it was an eyebrow lifter. The last time I saw a team, I mean, effectively, Bournemouth won 4-0 at Old Trafford because they had a goal disallowed at the end, which should never have been disallowed. So it should have been 4-0. The last time I saw a, a team win 4-0 at Old Trafford and blow the doors off was Nottingham Forest in 1977. And Bournemouth have just done that. We are not capable of doing that. I see Bournemouth coming and winning on Saturday. I really do. Because they're smaller. They're kind of less, uh, you know, less conspicuous than we are, if you like. They, they are, they are, and they are stable as you like. They are the antithesis of what we are at the moment. And I, I, I don't see us beating them. If we do, I'll be like, wow, where did that come from? As, as I've said to you, and it's, it's, um, <laughs> and I know we're coming into Christmas. It's a season of glad tidings, and I don't sound like it, Max. But I can't see us beating them. I think they've got a forward. I mean, I watched Salanke at Old Trafford. He was magnificent. You know, Billy. I mean. I go back to that game. I mean, I, I, the last two times Bournemouth have come, they beat us 2-1 at the start of the, uh, the the championship, the promotion year uh, under Hewton. And, and they were good value for it. The, and then last season, if you like, I mean, we've had some hurtful defeats since we got promoted, but none was more hurtful than that Bournemouth defeat at home last September. We were 2-0 up and, and in control. And then they just completely destroyed the second half. And I think they are a more advanced team than us. The table tells you to. Tables don't lie. It tells you that Bournemouth are better than Forest, and I, I be very. If, yeah. if we beat Bournemouth, I'd be very, very surprised. And I, and if I end up on a Bournemouth podcast this week, I'll be telling them they're going to win. Maybe just writing Forest off completely and saying we've got no chance. Maybe that's the way to go. I don't know, but I don't see it happening this weekend. Maybe it is, Dan. Just finally, then try and spread some positivity for us, some Christmas cheer. I mean, how do you see Forest <laughs> Bournemouth going? Because uh, it's a real tough run of of, of fixtures as well, isn't it? I'm going to struggle to to give you any positivity because I Villa played Bournemouth a few weeks ago and they were very very good. They've got yeah. you know when you come across a team and it's either the good times to play them or a bad time to play them. 
Yeah. Add time to play Bournemouth. Yeah. At, at the moment, they press so, so high, really, really good, good in transition, just got a lot of energy. You know, they, they stuck by the manager, maybe from the outside, you couldn't see what they were doing at the start of the season, but everyone was on side, everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet and they've they've stuck with him and they're reaping the, re- the rewards of that. I mean, I don't even Billing have been in the team recently. That's how, that's how good they've been. I think he's been c- coming off the bench. Semenyo caused Villa all kinds of problems yeah, on the yeah. flank. So it's a it's a tough game. Forrest are going to have to show s- some resilience. The only positive kind of thing I, c- I can offer is that I've always kind of felt when Steve Cooper needs a result, he gets a result. And at the mm-hmm. moment... He he needs a result, so fingers crossed he'll 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 get one again against Bournemouth. The other thing I will say is that I was at the the Villa the Forest Villa game in the in the away end. You know that day, everything like the atmosphere. That's probably the best home atmosphere I've heard when I've been when I've been stood in an in away end. It, I, I I thought it was incredible from the Forest fans singing Steve Cooper's name all, all the way through. I kind of feel like. Forest maybe need to get back to that. I don't know what it's been like in the in the, in the other home games, but he, the fans can play a massive part for Nottingham Forest. Really, really strong yeah. set of fans, and when they when they're singing and they're up for it, that helps the players. Mm. And that was one of the major things that helped Forest get over the line last season. So I'd implore Forest mm. fans, whatever you think at the moment, you're desperate for points. Just get behind the manager and get behind the team for for ninety minutes because you did it last season, pulled out results when you when when you didn't expect it. So. That's what Forrest need over this Christmas period. They need to pull something from somewhere. Mm. Fingers crossed. It would be a nice Christmas present on Saturday, wouldn't it, if Forrest can pick up three points. Uh, that's all then from us. Uh, Sarah, thank you as always. Thank you. Uh, Dave, thank you very much. Enjoy enjoy your Christmas shopping this week. If you've got any to do, you were saying about your vouchers or something. Yeah, really, like I say, Max, not, not at all creative in that, in that department. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're going to get vouchers. <laughs> I'm really dull. But I hope everybody has a great Christmas. It'd be nice to beat Bournemouth. It'd be nice to be. Wouldn't it be amazing to come back here on January the 1st and we've beaten Bournemouth, Newcastle, and Manchester United? And I think we might have some different conversations then. <laughs> Fingers what crossed. Look at everybody. Yeah. Thanks, Max. It's, it's all right, mate. It's what dreams are made of, that. Uh, Dan, thank you very much for coming on. No, thank you for having me. In, in, enjoyed it. Hopefully, Forrest can, can turn it around and Steve Cooper can turn it around as well. Yeah fingers crossed Uh, thank you everyone as always uh, for watching and for listening Uh, remember to drop us a like follow and subscribe across all platforms youtube spotify and apple podcast we will see you next week thanks as always for tuning in and we'll see you very soon have a great rest of your week 